Hi, I'm Billy Glosson, lead pastor of Coram Deo Church in Morganton, North Carolina, and you're listening to the Coram Deo Podcast, a place to engage with sermons, devotionals, prayer, and everything else we're doing at Coram Deo. Thanks for listening. So with it being Family Sunday, you might have seen some kiddos welcoming you in. Um, They're going to help serve on these Family Sundays too, so I'm going to invite Karis Ackerman up to read Ecclesiastes. If you're able and willing, please stand for the reading of God's Word. We're going to continue in uh, chapter 5, verses 1 through 7. Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. To draw near to listen is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools, for they do not know what they are doing that they are doing evil. Do not rash your, when your mouth nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God, for God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. For a dream comes with much business and fool's voice with many words. When you vow a vow to God, do not delay paying it, for he has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you vow. It is better that you should not vow than that you should vow and not pay. Let not your mouth lead you into sin, and do not say before the messenger that is a, was my mistake, a mistake. Why should God be angry at your voice and destroy, destroy the work of your hands? For when dreams increase and the words grow many, there is vanity, but God is the one you must fear. Thank you for that. That's right. Thank you, thank you. I'm going to invite our lead pastor, um, my hot husband, up to pray for him. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for this time. Thank you that you have gathered us here for this place in these walls. I ask that you would open our hearts to receive your word, that you would be glorified, that you would be honored that our hearts would be soft to receive from your spirit, that our ears would be open, that we would be humble, and that we would be encouraged and challenged. Speak through Billy now. Hide him behind the shadow of the cross, Lord. We trust your spirit, and we love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, you may be seated. Hey, if you're a kid and you're normally in Coram Deo Kids at this time, could you just give me a quick whoop, whoop? You guys, I thought you'd have a lot more like sillies to shake out and wiggles to waggle away, but you don't, and that's okay. Hey, so I'm glad you guys are with us this morning. Uh, It is important to sit before God's word, and so I will try my best to be briefer this morning as well. All right, let's jump in. So have you ever stuck your foot in your mouth? I may have just done that. So uh, in college, I was preaching at a small country church, and again, it was different for me. I grew up here, and so going from kind of the foothills of North Carolina to the rolling plains of Missouri and cattle country was a very stark difference. And there was a part of me that just loved this, I don't know, the the serene nature, just the quality of life that was just so much more calm, this peace that was there. And so I remember getting up one Sunday and saying, and I quote, 
man, I just love you guys so much. You're just good, simple people. Um, to which one of the elders of the church went, oh, okay. And I was like, no, it's not that you're simple. It's that your life is simple. No, that's not what I, and it was just like I was digging deeper in the hole. You see, sometimes we talk too much. And today we find ourselves looking at how we talk to the Lord. More than that, how we interact with God entirely. So the preacher of Ecclesiastes, he shifts the focus from the boardroom, from the monotonous moments of our life, now to the sanctuary. He's looking not at how we work, but at how we worship. So we just talked about this just a minute ago. We're going to be changing the name of the church to Mission Church. But we originally named the church Coram Deo to push against the idea that, hey, Sunday's for Jesus and the rest of the week is for me. Because Coram Deo means before the face of God or in the presence of God. And it's that we stop dividing our lives into, well, that's spiritual and then this is just the everyday stuff of life. Instead, every action becomes an offering to God. Whether you're a teacher whether you're a drywaller, whether you're a pastor, your whole life is spiritual. In essence, to live Coram Deo, to live Coram Deo is to see our entire life as a response to God's loving gaze. So picture with me, imagine a world where our worship isn't fragmented by our divided hearts, where we don't just put on our Sunday's best and we, we show up and we do the church thing, but that rather the whole of our life is lived in worship. Friends, that is precisely the kind of worship that God yearns for. When Israel stood at the cusp of the promised future, Moses gives this powerful sermon. And he doesn't just give any words, but he gives God-given guidelines for how Israel is supposed to embrace their new life in the promised land. This is what he says in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. And you shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates." What's the core message here, right? Is it that we should replace our live, laugh, love signs with scripture? Probably. But it's deeper than that. It's that we worship the one true God with everything, with every fiber of our being, that we truly live Coram Deo, not just parts of our life, but the entirety. Because just as our God is whole, our worship should mirror that completeness, that wholeness. But let's be real. I mean, we've all had moments where, despite outward appearances, our connection with God felt a bit severed. Like maybe we're physically present, maybe we're even active and involved in church, but our hearts, our, our, our genuine love for God, it, it feels distant. If this resonates with you, you're not alone. And in fact, Ecclesiastes 5 offers wisdom to bridge this gap. Here's the preacher's word for you this morning. It's really simple. Listen. Listen. This counsel, it echoes Moses in Deuteronomy. And Jesus, he reinforces it in the New Testament. We are to grow in our listening. 
And listening isn't just a passive act, right? It's a profound spiritual discipline. It draws us closer to God's heart. You see, our world overwhelms us with sights and sounds. I mean, we are so easily distracted and led astray. Yet, Ecclesiastes urges us to remember that true fulfillment, right? It comes not from all of our doing, but from receiving God's word. The reality is, we look around us and we see a world that is broken, right? I mean, we are filled with news of another celebrity passing, more war, more disruption, And we're filled, we're looking at a world that's filled with suffering. We look at our own hearts and we see our own hearts are prone to envy. We have this endless quest for more and it seems to lead us nowhere. And it might even tempt us to ask, is there hope, right? Should we just give up? But Ecclesiastes 5, it offers us an answer and it's this, listen to a different voice. Tune in to God's word. Again, we've mentioned this book so many times, um, and it's so great. It's a book by David Gibson called, called Living Life Backward, and this is what he says in it. It's excellent. He says, if you're despairing about life, the universe, and everything, then use your ears. The preacher is re-preaching what Moses preached in Deuteronomy. Hear, O Israel. He is giving us a sermon about how human beings may not be able to read the book of creation, the world, But we can read the book of the law, the Bible. It is a fallen world, and interpreting it to our complete satisfaction cannot be done. You cannot always read it, but you can read the Bible. And as you read, God is speaking. So listen. While the world may be complex, while the world is often inscrutable, God's message to us remains clear. And so listen closely. Let his words guide you. Let his words heal and provide clarity amidst the chaos. Here's our big idea today. I know I spent a lot of time leading us to this, but I really want you to catch this. It's simple as this. Undivided worship is quick to listen, slow to speak. Quick to listen, slow to speak. So let's look first at this idea of quick to listen. Look back at Ecclesiastes chapter 5 with me starting in verse 1. Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. To draw near to listen is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools, for they do not know that they are doing evil. Be not rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God, for God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few, for a dream comes with much busyness and a fool's voice with many words. So again, the lens shifts to worship. Now, if you were to do a world tour of all the grand churches of the world, it'd be like stepping almost into another world. Some of the the sanctuaries that are built, some of the churches that are built are truly amazing and breathtaking. You're hit with stunning architecture, windows that tell stories in color, an atmosphere that's just tranquil. And you might be walking around seeing these buildings and going, yeah, that's it. This is what worship is supposed to feel like. But hang on. Because Ecclesiastes shakes up our whole perspective. We're shown that real worship isn't about the place, the show, or the aesthetics, but what God is after is not necessarily these beautiful cathedrals, though they're wonderful, but he's after our hearts. Not just our songs or our Sunday's best. He's after us. The Bible doesn't shy away from calling out fake worship. I mean, sure, the rituals might look good, 
for our Instagram feeds, but God has x-ray vision right down to our hearts. If we're only clocking in and clocking out of church, if we're half listening, thinking we've got this whole God thing down, then we're missing the point. It's not, it's not that God wants us to just fall in line and do what we're supposed to do and you know, clock in, clock out. No, he wants us. It's fascinating to me that Ecclesiastes, it talks about real worship after diving into wealth and self-promotion. He goes right from wealth, right from self-promotion, and then he pans over and looks at the way that we worship. Because he's reminding us that worship is all of life. It's not about me, but about him. Just as chasing money without purpose is empty, so our worship without real connection is purposeless. See, connecting with God isn't just us showing up, downloading all of our issues onto him, and then going out and doing our own thing. Rather, no, it's a two-way conversation. You ever had that argument with a friend? It's like, you haven't called me in forever. And I'm like, congratulations, a phone works two ways, right? Think about it. When we talk to God, God's not just hearing our words. He's feeling our heartbeats. He knows our passions. He knows our pains. When a friend's hurting, our first reaction is usually to do what? Listen and be a sympathetic ear. No, we want to jump in and we want to fix it, or at least I do. We want to give them the right answer. But maybe, just maybe, it's not always about having the right answer. Maybe it's about pointing them to the one who does, sitting with them in silence and letting God's word do the healing. Ecclesiastes, it gives us a heads up. It says, hey, don't be the person who's all talk. No, listen. We get this dream reference in verse three and it kind of feels weird, but it's a nudge. See, just as dreams can be this kind of fuzzy and fleeting thing, so can our words when there's no sincerity of heart. So what is authentic worship? Well, it's less about raising our voices and more about tuning our ears to hear his voice. Listen to Eugene Peterson's paraphrase of these first three verses. I think it's very helpful. This is how he rewords Ecclesiastes chapter five. He says, watch your step when you enter God's house. Enter to learn. That's far better than mindlessly offering a sacrifice, doing more harm than good. Don't shoot off your mouth or speak before you think. Don't be too quick to tell God what you think he wants to hear. God's in charge, not you. The less you speak, the better. We are to lean in, listen up, and then live it out. See, true worship isn't just Sunday mornings. It's not just a once a week affair. It's how we breathe. It's how we move. It's how we respond to every moment, every facet of our life. Yet, in the whirlwind of our modern lives, with all of the many distractions, with all of the demands on our life, we have to ask the question, how in the world do we do that? How do we remain anchored in genuine worship? Well, again, I think the heart of Deuteronomy 6 gives us the timeless blueprint. Hear, O Israel. Hear, O Israel. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. This passage is not a light suggestion. It's a call to weave God's truth into every moment. 
It tells us to impress these words on our children, to talk about them, to bind them on our hands, our foreheads, to write them on our door frames. In other words, make God's word as tangible and present in our lives as the very air we breathe. Now you might be thinking, well, that's a tall order, but here's where the rubber meets the road. In a world of endless noise, how often do we actively, intentionally immerse ourselves in God's word? There was a local pastor who went to have dinner with a family in his congregation. And this young family was very pleased to have the minister in their home. And so the, the wife wanted to impress him. And so she thought, man, it'd be so great to get the pastor to read something to the kids after dinner before bed. So she asked her daughter, she said, darling, you know that there's trouble already when she's speaking like that. Darling, please go and get the good book. Go and get the book we love. Go get the book we read every day. And the girl came running back with the Amazon toy catalog. <laughs> what do you run to, friends? What do you run to? How often do we allow the truth of God's word to recalibrate our thoughts and our feelings, our sh to, to shape our actions? This is what the Apostle Paul says in Romans 12. He says this in Romans 12, verse 2. He says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. See, the battleground is often our minds, is it not? I mean, every day we're bombarded with narratives and ideas that can easily throw us off course, that can misalign us from God's truth. But what's the antidote, right? How do we, how do we battle these kind of overwhelming, obsessive thoughts? What's the refreshing, renewing power of God's word? Here's what I want to try and do this morning. I want to make this as applicable as possible. So I'm going to throw up some points on the screen. I'm going to go through these very quickly, Okay. If you're thinking, how do I get in God's word? How do I listen? How do I tune my heart to be someone who worships? Well, let's talk about it. The first thing I would say is daily immersion. What do I mean by that? I mean, start the day with scripture. Before you let your face be illuminated by the glow of your smartphone, open up God's word. And I would just argue and petition you, go with a physical analog Bible, right? A, a paper Bible. And if you don't have one, we have several in the fellowship hall we'd love to give to you. Even if it's just a verse, let it be the lens through which you view the day. Second, midday calibration. So set aside a few minutes in the middle of the day. Maybe this is during a lunch break. And take that scripture that you read this morning and then think about it. How did you apply it to your morning? How can it shape the rest of your day? And then third, evening reflection. As you wind down, maybe as you hop in bed before you go to sleep, Consider the moments you lived out the truths of God's word, of that verse. Where did you fall short? Thank God for the victories. Seek his grace for the areas of growth. Let's make it even more practical. Speak it, right? Just as Deuteronomy urges us to talk about God's truth, talk about it with your family at the dinner table, with a friend over a cup of coffee, even, and I know this is going to sound weird, a self-affirmation, because again, we repeat nonsensical lies in our head over and over, don't we? We obsess over thoughts. We get anxious and overwhelmed. What if instead we repeated Scripture? What if instead we, again, quoted and memorized God's Word? Because the more you speak it, the more rooted it becomes. Five, post it. 
This is something my wife does. Um, literally get sticky notes and put them everywhere. On your mirror, on your dashboard, on your monitor at work. Visual reminders of God's truth make a difference. They're everywhere in my house, right? She takes that passage from Deuteronomy literally. We don't have a fence, but if we did, I'm sure she would write on it, right? And then last, accountability or community accountability. Share your journey with a trusted group of friends. Right? If you're not in a community group, get in a community group. And let these people walk alongside of you, reminding you, affirming you, challenging you in your walk of genuine worship. You see, the more we embed his word into our routine, we're not just hearing, we're living Deuteronomy 6. We're transforming our minds, or rather, he is transforming our minds, as Romans 12 says. And in doing so, our worship becomes as authentic, as deep, and as natural as every breath that we take. Friends, let's not just be hearers, let's be doers. Let's be believers. Let's be worshipers in spirit and truth in every beat of our lives. So we're quick to listen. And second and last, we are slow to speak. We are slow to speak. Look at chapter 5, verse 4. When you vow a vow to God, do not delay paying it. For he has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you vow. It is better that you should not vow than that you should vow and not pay. Let not your mouth lead you into sin. And do not say before the messenger that it was a mistake. Why should God be angry at your voice and destroy the work of your hands? For when dreams increase and words grow many, there is vanity. But God is the one you must fear. So Ecclesiastes gets straight to the point. To the point. Watch what you say. Right? It speaks straight to the weight of our words and the authenticity of our commitment to God. It makes me think about how we communicate with God, especially how do we pray? Imagine for a moment the person who in a moment of desperation just cries out, God, if you get me out of this mess, if you just, if you just take the situation away, I promise I'll serve you the rest of my days. And then you fast forward a few weeks and life returns to normal and suddenly God isn't much of a priority anymore. I mean, that sounds familiar, right? But why is that? Perhaps, just maybe, it's because deep down, many of us think our words are just that, words. They're fleeting, they're temporary, they're just a gust of wind. Yet when we approach the throne of God, it's not with casual promises or flippant phrases. See, God isn't looking for our grandiose claims or our well-intentioned words He's not looking for fleeting pledges. He's seeking for sincere hearts. I mean, we know this. Jesus teaches this in parables. This is what we teach our children, right? He looks at two people, the Pharisee who is, you know, look how great I am, God. Thank you that I'm not like that fool over there and I'm better than this person. And then you see the tax collector, the sinner, beating his breast and crying. There was a man who was praying one day in a church in England and his English was terrible. It was broken and he was doing a horrible job destroying the king's English. And there's a lady who is trying to pray, but she just can't focus because this guy is just saying stuff that makes no sense. And so she's beside herself. And as soon as he says amen, she goes over and says, young man, that was the worst grammar and articulation I have ever heard in my life. I am disgusted that you would talk like that. And he turned and he looked at the woman and he said, the lady... I wasn't talking to you. Friends, prayer is communication with God. Do we know that? 
we're, we're speaking to the Almighty. And our God is not some distant deity, not some middle school principal in the sky. He's a personal, intimate, involved father. And this God, our God, he knows our hearts. He feels our pains and he listens intently to our prayers. But here's where it gets challenging. How often are our prayers mere just words, mere just stuff we're saying versus genuine expressions of our souls? And this is where we get that kind of weird passage that a lot of us kind of dance around. And it talks about the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. When we talk about fearing God, it's not about being terrified of him, in horror, in dread of him, waiting for the hammer to drop. No, the fear of the Lord is about marveling at his splendor, being in awe of his majesty, and respecting his infinite wisdom. Now, does that mean if we stand before the almighty God that we're going to not be afraid? Certainly we will. Every example we see in scripture, they are. There's terror. But with that also is comfort, that the one who could truly destroy me welcomes me. It's a recognition that the creator of the universe, he's intimately involved in our lives. And when we truly fear the Lord in the way that the Bible describes, with a, with a reverence, with an awe, in a way that I can only describe as only knowing now in some small significant point in seeing my son in the way that he views me. Now to you, I am probably not that strong, right? But yesterday, some of you guys have made comments about this. When I tried on my Spider-Man costume, which you'll see on Tuesday, my son was like, you are a legitimate superhero. You can conquer the world, dad. Let's go. There's this deep sense of both like my dad is strong and yet my dad loves me. The Lord welcomes you, friend. When we stop just saying words, when we stop just rehearsing lines, but when we're raw, when we're genuine, when we have heartfelt communication with the creator, that's when our prayers become less about what we want and more about aligning ourselves with his will. It's about pouring out our hearts and then listening, truly listening for his guiding voice. And I wanna challenge you, friends, take a hard look at your prayer life. Are you just going through the motions? I mean, are you saying more than just bedtime prayers with your kids? Are you actually praying in the car on the way to work? At work when you're frustrated, and even if the prayer is just Jesus' help? Are you genuinely engaging with the God of the universe? Are you sincere in your words, both to God and to others? Again, a right fear of the Lord, rooted in love and understanding of his character, it not only draws us closer to God, but it also transforms the way that we talk to him. We start to realize that our words have weight because the Almighty has welcomed us, because the Son of the living God is pleading on our behalf at the right hand of the Father. And so we speak with sincerity, with integrity, and with a heart that is tuned to the whispers of the Almighty. Again, I want to make this applicable as possible. So a few points for us. First, start with all, not requests. So when you get up in the morning and you are going to start your day with Scripture, before you dive into your laundry list of needs, take a moment to realize who you're speaking to. Breathe in the majesty, power, and love of God. I mean, take some passages that speak to the character of God and write them down and read them before you pray. That simple pause can change the tone and direction of your entire prayer. 
Second, authenticity over eloquence. Or being real over talking good. Drop the act. God's not impressed by flowery language or perfectly composed sentences, right? He's after your heart. Be real, be raw, and be honest. We used to joke when we were kids, we had a, an older man named John Henry Eichert, and we always said he prayed in King James, okay? Listen, if that's your prayer life, maybe there's sincerity there, but if you're doing it because you feel like that's getting you closer to the throne of God, just be real. Sometimes the most profound prayers are the simplest. Help, thanks, wow. Third, listen more, talk less. <laughs> this is hard for me. Surprise, right? Remember, prayer is not a monologue. It's a dialogue. Spend as much time, if not more, in silence. How many of us are good at silence? Some of us are very good at it. Some of us are very bad at it. Tune into what the Lord is saying. You might be surprised at what you hear, what passage of scripture he stirs to mind when you give God space to speak in the stillness. Fourth, avoid the vending machine mentality. Don't just come to God when you want something, right? Prayer isn't about inserting the right amount of words or the right kind of plea to get what you desire. God isn't a cosmic vending machine. Seek connection, just seek him, not just answers. See, here's the thing. When you look at the early church, when you look at Christians in the, in the New Testament and in the first centuries, guess what they were excited about? What they wanted to talk to you about? Jesus. Not heaven, not precious moments, not you know weird, creepy children angels, not that. They wanted to talk about Jesus. Why? Because he's the gift, friends. That's what our reward is. Eternity with him. One of the books that has sat with me for a long time is a book from John Piper called God is the Gospel. And in the beginning of it, he gives this list of if heaven had everything you could ever want, that hunting dog that you loved, all your best friends, your spouse, or maybe your spouse would be far away, whatever it is that, that heaven would be in your mind, if it was all there, but Jesus wasn't there, would you be satisfied? And friends, that should haunt us. Because if we get everything and we don't get Christ, we get nothing. Christ is the reward, friends. He's the reward. That wasn't in the notes. That was bonus. You can have that. Five, embrace the power of journaling, okay? I cannot recommend this to you enough. Sometimes it is hard to focus or know where to start. Consider journaling your prayers. If you're like me and your mind wanders, use your pen to keep you focused. It gives structure to your thoughts. It serves as a powerful reminder of God's faithfulness. And when, when you can look back on answered and unanswered prayers, let me tell you one real quick, just a fun one. Last year, about this time, it was actually in September, Hannah came to me and said, hey, you know those things that you talk about, these Jesus-only prayers, prayers that only Jesus can answer, there's no way that we could come with the answer? I wrote one. I said, okay, cool, what is it? I'm praying that God would put us in a space by the end of 2023. And I said, Okay, well, a couple things. We're a young church plant, and we meet on a soccer field, and uh, we don't have a lot of money. So um, that is absolutely a Jesus-only prayer. Um, 
look what God has done. Mm. Six, seek accountability. Again, in the same way you want to have accountability to keep you in the word of God, have friends who keep you accountable to praying. Find a prayer partner. Grab grab some friends and say, hey, let's, let's pray together. Let's share requests. Let's pray for one another. When we do that, it can deepen our understanding of what intercession truly means. It can cultivate a vibrant community. Seven. Just one more after this. Embrace the I don't know. I'm gonna read that again. Embrace the I don't know. It is okay to sit in the mystery of God. Maybe, just maybe, the infinite creator of the universe knows more than me and you. If you don't have the words, if you are wrestling with doubt, bring that to the Lord. God can handle your questions. He can handle your anger. He can handle your sadness. He just wants you. Last one, the 555 challenge. For the next week, for the next week, spend five minutes in the morning, the afternoon, and the evening praying, okay? In the morning, thank God for who he is and what he has done. Don't start with intercession. Just thank God for who he is and what he's done. In the afternoon, when you stop to reflect on that passage of scripture, spend five minutes listening and reflecting. Don't talk. Just listen. What would you have for me, Lord? What does your word say? And then before you end your day, spend five minutes laying your needs and your petitions and your concerns before him. 15 minutes a day. See how that transforms your prayer life. Let's get real for a moment. We all have really unique quirks when it comes to engaging with God, right? We just do. There are some of us who have a lot to say, right? Confidently unpacking theology, maybe even challenging the Lord when we're frustrated. But here's the real question. Are we absorbing as much as we're spitting out? The preacher here is laying down the truth. God has the wisdom. We're just trying to keep up. And then on the flip side, we've got those who are the quiet, contemplative type. Maybe words don't just come as easy. And we're left wondering, God, are you even tuned into this frequency? I'm cranking up the volume, but all I'm getting is static. If you've walked this life of faith for more than just a minute, you know that it's not all sunshine and clear skies. And simple, easy answers, those are in short supply. But here's the kicker from Ecclesiastes. Our grasp of God's reality It's not about our fleeting feelings. It's anchored in the unshakable truth of his word. See, life is going to throw us for a loop. There's gonna be times where it seems like, God, are you playing hide and seek? But the preacher's challenge to us is to turn the lens inward. Why the doubt? Why am I struggling to connect? The psalmist tells us to interrogate our own hearts, but all the while never letting go of the solid rock of his word when the fog rolls in. So take a page out of the Israelites' playbook. In Deuteronomy 5, Moses says, you do the talking, we'll do the walking. You hear from God and we'll act. They knew a face-to-face with God was not gonna go well for them. It was off the table, but they were all in for listening. It's not just about seeing, it's about hearing and responding. So here we are, 
standing in the thick of it. Every single day, God has laid his cards on the table. He's spoken, now it's our move. What's it gonna be? Are you in the word? Are you? Are you opening up the Bible? Are you sincere before the Lord? Do you petition the Lord? Apparently not. So that's okay. God welcomes you to be sincere, to open up his word, to be quick to listen and slow to speak. Four questions for us today. First, is my daily life more influenced by God's word or by my own thoughts and the world's standards? Is my daily life more influenced by God's word or by my own thoughts and the world's standards? When I think about my prayer life, is it more about me speaking or me listening to God? Is it more about me speaking or me listening? Third, are there times I've tried to manipulate God with my words or tried to convince him based on my reasoning? And fourth, how does my daily life reflect a heart of worship? We'll put all four up on the screen for you. Let's pray together. Holy God, you are infinitely good, all-powerful, worthy of our adoration and praise. We are literally sitting in a blessing right now. You provide in ways that we can't fathom or understand. You work in power. You spend cosmos just from speaking. No one is like you. Lord, forgive us for treating you as flippant, as an addition to our busy lives. Thank you, God, that Ecclesiastes throws cold water in our face. It says, be quiet and listen. Lord, would we pray with sincere hearts? Would we open your word and listen? Thank you, Lord, for the ways that you pursue us and you teach us. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Quorum Deo podcast. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or our website, quorumdeonc.com. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram for a bigger picture inside the life of the church. Grace and peace be with you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ.